Wanderers Show. Good evening and welcome to the latest edition of the Wickham Wanderers Show. I must say hi especially to uh, Mark and Simon from the Wickham Wanderers Sport and Education Trust. A big hello to them. Oh, <laughs> Try again. <laughs> that worked well, didn't it? Hello! <laughs> Hello from the background. I was all, all ready to was do a so big well. hello and you didn't, uh, didn't put me up, oh. as it were. No, they said they were uh, looking forward to the show this evening. Oh, that's very good. And then I told I them they'll be on it. Show. Yes, <laughs> they will be on it. Uh, a bit later on, find out about walking football, which has moved from outside in Lane End to inside at Wickham Leisure Centre. Oh, that sounds nice and warm and uh, much, 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 yeah, much cosier. Yes, and features new romantic music as well. Oh, really? <laughs> find out why <laughs> later on. Okay. Uh, I wasn't expecting you to say that. <laughs> also, this week, we'll uh, look back, as you'd expect, to uh, a draw at Fleetwood, which at one point, well, several points, oh, looked like it'd be a win. Yeah, definitely. And uh, a defeat at home to Ipswich, again, at one point, which looked like it might be a win. At one point, we were top of the league. <laughs> <laughs> and then it all came crashing down. And a bumper crowd of 6,943, of which you were one. I was. But goodness me. It's a lot better, isn't it, to lose matches when the opposition have only bought about 50 people than when they've bought 1,800, because, yeah, it was slightly sickening, particularly as the fourth goal went in to see the whole town end, like, rocking around. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, I prefer those games where, say, we play Morecambe or Accrington on a Tuesday night and they bring 20 fans, and, you know, if they win 1-0, well, you don't really notice that they're all celebrating. It sounded a great atmosphere, though, that the it noise could be heard from yeah. a mile and a half away. It was, it was very good, but, yes, it was just a bit disappointing that it was them doing the cheering rather than us. Also, this evening we'll be hearing from Stuart Earp, who was the sports editor of the Bucks Free Press in the 70s. Now, there is a reason for this, isn't there? Well, there's always a reason. Of course, yes, because it is the FA Cup this weekend. Absolutely, and he covered that uh, momentous, well, other FA Cup ties as well, but that momentous uh, third round in the 70s where he got to play Middlesbrough twice. So it was a slightly spurious thing, because we thought, well, Hartlepool and Middlesbrough, they're quite close to each <laughs> other. So, so that's the reason for speaking to him tonight. Yes. Oh, it's all planned, this show. It, it is, yes. We don't just put it together in the last five minutes. Honest. No, no. Have we done that? I'm trying to think. We have done that. No, we don't. Yeah, we, haven't no, we haven't really. No, 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 no. We're making it sound like we do, but we don't. <laughs> um, uh, but yes, of course. And so we have got the Hartlepool game as well um, to look forward to on Saturday. Which you're also planning a trip to. I am planning a trip to Hartlepool, yes, to the Victoria Ground. Hartlepool in November. You never know. I might see Jeff Stelling. I know, I think he's still busy at the minute, isn't he? <laughs> I want to speak to you about that as well, actually. Oh, right. Because, uh, obviously, we've had the news this week that Jeff Stelling is no longer doing, or won't be doing, Soccer Saturday. This is last season. season. And if you didn't know, Colin is one of the very few people in the whole country who professionally reads the football results. Absolutely. You do it for the what used to be called the Independent Radio Network, but I don't think it's called that anymore, is it? Um, I think it, it can be. Can it? Okay. Yes, yeah. Um, and, and so, but I thought, well, you, you should apply for the job. You'd be great on Soccer Saturday. Thank you very much. Colin Besley. I it's quite high-paced and pressured, isn't it? I think uh, well, I don't, I don't, he makes it look very easy. You know, that you're definitely the man for it. I'm secretly after Alan Lamborn's job, though, who does the classifieds on Soccer Saturday. Yes. Well, he wears a bow tie when he does it, you know. You do it better than him. Thank you. Sorry, Alan Lamborn. Yeah, but uh, Jeff's been working for Sky for 30 years and he's done Soccer Saturday for 27, I think it is. That's, that's, that's a long time, mm. actually, to be... And, and also, he doesn't look like he's done that. How, how, he's one of those people that doesn't really age. And no, he often... Even when you see pictures of him from a long time... I shared a lift with him. I've shared a lift with him as well. What, what like a claim in a car him. or a, like an elevator lift? No, an elevator, yeah. Oh, OK. <laughs> no, oh. I've not been in a car with him. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, oh, wow, you've spent half an hour in the company of Jeff Stelling. What did he say? <laughs> but, no, uh, it's it was only two... A what, couple what, of laws. <laughs> 20 seconds. <laughs> anybody, anybody else of the Sky 
Sorry, I know we should be talking about Wigan Wanderers. Yeah, yeah, we've, we've, we've diverted slightly, but... <laughs> Indeed, the first six minutes of the show, we're talking about your, your career at Sky. Any, anyone else famous that you've shared a lift with? Oh, possibly. In the, in the Sky building, you mean? In the, well, anywhere. Any, in general, in the world. Oh, let me think. Um, I, <laughs> I should have prepared something, shouldn't I? Um, not that I can think of, to be honest. You know that expression that people you want to be stuck in a lift with? I shouldn't, yes. think, I shouldn't think I'm one of them for anybody. Definitely not Cedo John Batty. No. Why did they always say that? <laughs> I, I always wondered that. In that season where we did the programme feature, where all the players were asked, who do you not want to share a lift with? And the entire squad, <laughs> other than Cedo when he did the feature, all said they didn't want to share a lift with And I always wondered why. Why? why? What was it about Cedo that, that meant that you didn't want to share a lift with him? But Gareth, you were saying, was on Sky last night as well. So often I'm on the floor above when he's, he's on. Are you? Oh, OK. Look, you could get in touch and see if, like, you know, you could have a lift home with him. <laughs> yes, drop me off. He was very good last night. He um, is very good, isn't and, he? Is yeah, and it, it was funny because he was commentating on the Bournemouth-Preston game. Ah. Um, and obviously, you know, he didn't say anything and he didn't reveal it really at all, but you could tell that, you know, he, he's got a little soft spot for Preston. And so the fact that they won, he, he did look quite pleased. Yes, so we have diverted slightly. But we have, we, sorry. We, we, yes. No, it's, it's all good. It, it all works, I think. Uh, let's let's return to Fleetwood, Indeed, as the yes. many people would say. Um, and yeah, it was all looking so good. Well, I mean, obviously Fleetwood took the lead uh, after five minutes. Uh, uh, then Brandon Hanlon um, equalised for us. And then it was all looking so good. Bayo and Voxy putting a 3-1 up and you were thinking, oh, great, you know. Because it was a different formation, wasn't it, It really? was, yeah, different formation, different team. Um, obviously starting with, with Bayo as well, an interesting idea. Um, but then Fleetwood fighting back uh, with two goals uh, in the 60th and 64th minute and uh, you know uh, again I think probably we were all thinking it's going to be another 4-3 it's going to be another 4-3 and yeah it wasn't in the end because I think people remember Fleetwood don't they obviously from the, the playoff semi-finals but it's, they're a very different team at the moment they are a very different team I did wonder that though whether that almost might have been slightly said to them as they were going out that you know look we, we slightly you know we, we, last time we played we can wonder as it didn't go quite so well um, and yeah well you know a shame but onwards and upwards and a draw away at Fleetwood considering some of the results they've had as Gareth has been saying is not a bad result well, it was quite breezy up at Fleetwood as it, well. It was, rather, and he'd done quite a lot of shouting, I believe. <laughs> yes, he got us a little hoarse when he spoke to Phil after the game. It's always a good point, you know, away from home, but... And they've beat, you know, they beat Rotherham and teams like that, you know, they've been... had some decent results, but... Um, three one up, you want to see the game out, you know, and uh, I think we were doing, and then Simon Grayson's made three substitutions and gone for it, and you've got to give him credit for that, you know, he's... Uh, He's put them on, and within three minutes before we could get to grips with things, I think they're they're back in the game. I don't care about formations. You've got to defend corners better than we did on that that corner, you know, and, and that's got the momentum to get back in the game. And then, yeah, the uh, the third goal, obviously well taken by the lad, but we were a little bit stretched and we weren't getting to grips with what they'd done. Um, afterwards, we did, and it was like basketball at the end. You know, it could have gone either way, but. Um, Gutted that we, uh, we've we lost two points, but pleased we've got a point. It's a weird feeling. Fantastic game to watch. Loads going on. I think we can hear it in your voice. It was a lot yeah, of shouting as well. Absolutely. You know, I've lost my voice a little bit today. So, um, you know, there was, uh, there was there looked like a couple of tired legs at the end, which is like to be with this pitch, you know, really, really heavy. And, you know, like I said, Fleetwood absolutely gambled at the end and, you know, left themselves open. 
We looked open. It was a real basketball thing, and uh, there's a big penalty shout for us in there, but they'll say there is for, for them as well. I thought Brandon Hanlon was a thorn in their side, really, really good, and I think he's coming and coming, and uh, and obviously Volksin, I can find one of the three strikers all scored, so great for that and that formation. But um, like I said, didn't get two groups with what the way what they did. Good luck, mate. Second half. All the best. And, uh, and it's a draw, but... Um, a point away from home is, is, is always nice. So weird feeling, but but um, yeah, it'll take it. As a man from the northwest, you've probably have a better understanding of the weather <clears> up here than, than me. Um, we can look to have won the toss in the first half and switch the direction of play. Was was that to do with the weather? Yeah, you, you know, you've always got to take take these little advantages if you can. And, uh, and Bale, when he's on the pitch, you know, he's on, he's only been on the pitch for 60 minutes or 55 minutes, like he was, and. Uh, and I think he wanted that wind advantage with him so we could get the balls up to him and obviously pay dividends. I thought we, we we were really good in the first half, really good. And then the goal in the second half, I thought, you know, it's time to uh, to put the game to bed. But like I say, fair play to Simon Grayson, put three subs on, opened the game up, went for it, and it paid off. And sometimes it does. And uh, and that's, um, that's fair play to them. But... Like I said, good point for us. You weren't putting any vocals down <clears> on Monday, were you? No vocals, and if they were, they'd be more ACDC or Joe Cocker than, uh, than Jim Morrison. But um, now we'll, uh, we'll have to rest the voices while yeah. The gravelly-voiced Gareth Ainsworth speaking after a trip to Fleetwood. Goodness me. A fisherman's he, friend, that's what he needs. He really did, didn't he? I, I completely sympathise. It's like those times where, you, 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 you know, if you read the news on Wickham Sound and you start feeling your voice going and there's nothing nothing you can really do about it, you could tell that he was he was in that sort of like, oh, no, my voice is going and I can't say anything. Yeah, absolutely. Someone yeah. had to hand him a drink or something. Like yeah, that. they really did. Yeah, Phil, why weren't you giving him a fisherman's friend? Oh, well, yeah, or a hot cup of bovril. Indeed. Uh, we need to congratulate Phil as well, don't we? Cause he's, absolutely. Because his Ringing the Blues podcast has been uh, uh, nominated for the third year in a row. It's very uh, popular. For, yeah, it's, it's, it's really good as well. Absolutely. I know that we do a podcast as well, because this show is a podcast, if you didn't know. Um, but, but yes, but Phil has, has been and we nominated. Do, we do get to feature Phil's, some of Phil's we material do. from it. Yeah, so we're, we're very grateful for that as well. But yes, well done, Phil, for ringing the blues. Um, I can't remember now quite what the award is. I'm just looking up desperately. Desperately? Desperately, yes. <laughs> You're looking up desperately? No, what, to not, spell no. it or something? <laughs> oh, <dear. laughs> just looking up desperately. Uh, we will find desperately shortly. Well, once, once again, it sounded like we're just throwing the show together tonight. And honestly, we're not. No. Uh, so let's move on quickly then to Tuesday <laughs> while you look up desperately. Um, Ipswich, of course, the Vistas, it was, uh, it was always billed as being a, a well-attended game. It's, it, by the way, it was the um, uh, club podcast of the year. Oh, uh, brilliant. We cared it that bit. Uh, yeah, for, uh, at the Football Association Awards. But it's not one of those ones that you can... Um, uh, vote for okay, so it's just decided by I don't know podcast experts, whoever they might be. <laughs> Pod bods. Um, yes, okay, to Tuesday night, and it was being billed as you know as a big game, wasn't it? Because they were bringing lots, and we'd sold lots of tickets. And it's a long way to come, isn't it, on Tuesday night for Ipswich? Yeah, I was I was impressed with how many of them there were. Um, I did think that they definitely have that slight Sunderland complex, don't they? Mm. Um, of you know we're big a club. big team, yes, you know, and you think well, you know, again, as I thought when we were at Sunderland, actually, you've been in this division longer than us, so you're coming down here singing you're only here for the Ipswich. Well, you know, you could, we could be singing it the other way around. Exactly. Yes, um, and it all started so well, and it was again a bit like Gareth said about the the Fleetwood game, where it was a bit like a basketball game. Uh, that, that's what I sat there thinking early on was goodness me, it is very much you know we'll attack you attack and let's see what the score is at the end um and clearly yes you know we we took the lead and things were looking quite good and then it all went slightly wrong 
Yes, the, the goals sort of kept coming, unfortunately. They did, yeah. And I mean, they were, they were unfortunate goals. So, and set um, pieces first as well. One was a, you know, first one was a deflection. Um, there was another one where we should have got a, you know, got a free kick. Um, and particularly then in the last half an hour, 20 minutes, uh, we, we really did sort of like batter the Ipswich goal. We just couldn't actually manage to put the ball in the net. And I do think, particularly say we'd got one back... We got one uh, back. So, so, say we had got one back at three-two. I did. Um, you know, we might have gone on for another famous four-three, but it wasn't quite to be. I think somewhere, somebody, somebody might have laughed at that. Uh, yes, you said say we got yes, one back. Yes, yes, okay, I yes, I did. Yeah, well, it doesn't. We it if I'm the person who laughs, at it, it doesn't really work. <laughs> you know, I'm, no, good point. I have to act as a straight man, <laughs> <laughs> and you do it very well. Yes. I'm the Ernie Wise to Eric Morgan. <laughs> but it was, it was I, again, so we talked about this on the change in formation for Fleetwood, but it, this was, this was a, a bit different. Uh, it was a bit different, yes. And it was interesting towards the end then when we had Bayo uh, and, and Voxie on again um, at the same time. And it did remind me that Gareth had said with regards to the Fleetwood game um, that, you know, that he felt that, yes, they went for it with three substitutions. And, of course, we did the same thing, but it didn't, without, without quite getting the same result. So, yeah, and it was quite cold. We'll get um, Bob's thoughts very in, chilly. in a few moments' time. He's got, he's got a story about his battery-operated trousers. <laughs> No, not really. I, I, I've made it sound more interesting than it actually is. Yeah, well, try, try and embellish it slightly there. Okay. Uh, so, <laughs> so uh, Gareth uh, spoke to Phil uh, once again after that, and uh, talking about that fourth goal, uh, which went in, in in stoppage time. I'm not counting the fourth goal really. I think David Stockdale sent um, sent someone up for the corner, so you know, it's, it, obviously you've got to count it. It's, it's ended the uh, the game, but. Um, Disappointing, you know, real disappointing. Uh, the timing of uh, of the goals against, I think, really worked in Ipswich's favour. They were a good side, a very good side, and uh, but so are we. And I'm really proud of the boys. Big picture, you know, sort of seven games. We've won six of them at home, and uh, I think it's been great. I think a real, real positive for us. We a little bit hopeful at times tonight. You know, and the pitch maybe cut us out again. You know, real frosty, and, and a, a, like I say, a couple of the balls forward. I think we could have made, could have been better, more quality. But effort-wise, all there. Fans, thank you. Sorry, I couldn't produce the win that we all wanted. But um, we'll be back. Um, looking forward to the FA Cup Saturday now. Maybe a break against uh, Pompey in the international call-ups. We'll see what happens there. But. Um, I think we've had a great first third of the season and if we can do the second third the same as we've done we're going to have a right chance of promotion this year. That first 20-25 minutes we can really took it to Ipswich didn't they? Yeah and first 10 minutes of the second half as well Phil you know I thought we uh, we changed slightly at half time just to try and contend with uh, with some of their rotation and it worked they were kicking out of play and like I say the timing of the goal kills us really it's a leg up that we gave them they've scored from two of our set pieces you know going forward and not they were countering on us we had chances the keepers made some fantastic saves that's what he's there for but um, no we'll be back and, uh, and you know, we've got to go to Portman Road obviously that's going to be a, a big occasion for us but um, you know I've got plenty of, plenty of games left in this league now to uh, to put more points on the board and that's what I intend to do Ipswich's first goal seemed to turn the game uh, David Stockdale looked disappointed with himself as well uh, did you feel that that really turned the tide? Uh, no, I didn't know. It was their first shot on target, you know, after 30 minutes or something. So it was uh, it was tough to take. Stockholm's almost pulled off a great save. Um, but no, I think Stockholm knows that, um, you know, he's, uh, he's where he is. He's a, he's, a, he's a brilliant keeper. He's, he's, he's the top two divisions when he's on form without a shadow of a doubt. And, and he's he's a great number one. So, yeah, we... we uh, We've seen some brilliant saves, some brilliant goals, some brilliant action so far this season. Tonight, didn't quite get to the get to the level that we have been playing at, but we've got to make sure that we're back on it next game. 
and the games after that like I say if we can produce another third like we've just done we're going to be well within a shout of, uh, of automatics playoffs whatever but Ipswich will be there without a doubt they're a good good side um, it's taken them a while to click and they've, they've you know, spent a lot of money getting a good squad together rightly so they want to get back in the championship they'll have a chance as well David Wheeler was doing great things in the air until the left-back went off injured and they brought on a sort of gargantuan left-back as a substitute and that went against Wickham a little bit as well, didn't it? Uh, listen, um, you've got to find ways then to to, to break things down and uh, and I thought we, were, we we did really well, you know. I think there was a, a, maybe a foul in the build-up to their goal as well, which was disappointing that we didn't get. I thought Brandon Hanlon was a, a real thorn in the side of, uh, of Ipswich all night. He's coming on strength to strength. Um, but like I say, a little bit hot on things didn't go our way not going to complain we've been well and truly beaten today well done Ipswich we're going to the next one back on the coach FA Cup Saturday just a short trip up to Hartlepool uh, naming a strong side for that one yeah FA Cup means a lot to me you know one or two of my boys are carrying knocks though in the, in the, uh, in the team tonight and, uh, and maybe it might be the right thing to keep them fit for the league um, we've got some young development players who would relish a chance in the FA Cup but I will not weaken the side to, to belittle the competition um, it will be done for the right reasons and that'll be uh, medical reasons um, otherwise we'll be going up there to, to try and get him round to Some interesting things uh, to pick up on from what Gareth had there uh, which we'll talk about a bit later on in the programme especially about Harleyball and of course uh, the forthcoming uh, game against Portsmouth or not Indeed yes or not that was interesting Go on then uh, tell us about your battery operated chances Hang on hang on I was going to say the, the decision to not play that Ipswich game yes. now as well does, does look like possibly a mistake but you know you, you can't tell these things at the time can you No so it was cold on Tuesday It was very cold on Tuesday yes um, and so having having built up the battery operated trousers and goodness me if ever a night uh, they were needed it was Tuesday night uh, of course I, I, I did wear them but I forgot to take the battery bit with me. Oh. So, so I, I had battery-operated trousers, but no battery, which sounds a bit like a Wallace and Gromit type It sketch. does, like the wrong trousers. Uh, indeed, absolutely. Yes, if you saw me marching down Hill Bottom Road, uh, then you'll know why. Still to come, we'll speak to you, members of the Wickham Wanderers Sport and Education Trust, and as they will preview at Hartlepool and uh, look ahead to uh, potentially uh, Portsmouth as well. Plus, well, maybe we'll, not. We'll fill you in on how Wickham Wanderers women are doing as well. Online, on Radio Player, and on 106.6 FM. This is Wickham Sound. Second part of the Wickham Wanderers show. Here's Bob. <laughs> Hello! <laughs> <laughs> okay, oh, you have my mic up there that time. Um, uh, yes, on a Tuesday night. Oh, dear, oh, dear. I, I'm still still thawing out now, actually. Because November's I, I quite a busy think... run of schedule, uh, fixtures, isn't it? I think uh, it could be some more cold nights this, this Tuesday against yes. Burton. Yeah, I mean, this Tuesday against Burton, goodness me, we you know we hyped up the Ipswich game saying <laughs> that possibly there'd be 7,000. I wonder whether or not we'll be able to get 700 in for the um, dead rubber, as it's called, against Burton Albion. It will be interesting. Um, but yeah, the thing I was going to say about the, the cold was as well, the, Gareth just commenting about you know the fact that, yes, it, the pitch did appear to be getting frozen during the game. And you could see... After about nine o'clock, the pitch actually began to look, I wouldn't say white, that's a slight exaggeration, but it definitely began to look, um, a, you know, a, a slightly different colour to normal. And you did think, yeah, it, it, with it, definitely we are. We do have the coldest ground in the league. I yeah, it's got care. a microclimate, isn't it? don't care what any northern person says. <laughs> you can keep your Barneses and your Oakwells. We, we have the coldest ground. You heard it here first. It's it's official. Uh, so often we get to speak to uh, former players. Uh, thank you, of course, uh, as always, to the Wickham Wanderers Ex Players Association. But someone who is a member uh, is Stuart Earp, who uh, in the seventies was the sports editor 
at uh, the Bucks Free Press and uh, of course uh, times to coincide with the FA Cup first round proper I think you have to call it don't you it is yes uh, this weekend uh, some uh, brilliant FA Cup memories from the 70s and a sort of a, almost a, a sort of a unique time to be covering the club because obviously I guess uh, following a team from a journalism perspective very different to how it is nowadays very very different I would imagine so here's Stuart's story my editor was a lovely old boy called Arthur Church who some of your listeners might remember because he was a regular up at Wanderers every Saturday and in midweek and uh, he encouraged me in my career. Lovely man was Arthur. Uh, yeah, I joined the Free Press in uh, 1969, and I started covering Wickham. I started as a general reporter, a uh, trainee reporter covering craft fairs and parish councils and really boring things. And I got a chance to go on to sport and uh, jumped at it and uh, joined uh, the sports desk after a couple of years and became sports editor in 71. So what was it like actually covering the club? Because I guess nowadays you see you know, all sorts of player interviews and it's all very kind of instant, isn't it? But I guess in those days it was a bit different. It certainly was, yes. Uh, for a start, I wrote incredibly long reports that were extremely boring, covering every sort of cough and spit of what happened in the game. And there were very few interviews afterwards, actually. Nowadays, as you say, it's all about quotes and, you know, finding somebody to say something controversial. But uh, in those days, you just... Uh, Major notes during the game. Um, went home and wrote it up. You know, after a couple of pints after the, after the match in the in the clubhouse. And Brian Lee was the manager. What was he like to, to uh, sort of <laughs> to, to, to get information from? Brian was pretty good actually. He was very patient with me because I was what in my early twenties, very naive and green. But uh, Brian was a, was a great tutor. You've got to remember that he was running Bisham Abbey uh, National Sports Centre at the time. And he's a very busy man, as well as, you know, covering Wickham Wanderers and, and making them probably the best non-league side in the country in the 70s, or one of the best. So, Brian, he was, he was great to work with, to be honest. And he was very good to me, and I'll, I'll always be grateful for that. And we've got the first round of the FA Cup coming up, and I know a particularly memorable uh, tie was when, obviously, Wickham uh, got to the third round for the first time in, in their history, and a really interesting link with uh, uh, JDT, of course, from the, uh, the Ex-Player Association. Yeah, I, I didn't work with John. He was, he was a, bit, a bit older than me. He won't like me for saying that. But um, I, I really met him when I joined the Ex-Players Association and uh, got to know him then. But he followed a similar path to me, and he went further up north, I think, um, to a, a, a bigger paper up there. Uh, but a lovely man, John, and he's always good company, and um, himself and Alan do a fantastic job for the Ex-Players Association. And their, their dues that they put on, their dinners and quizzes and things, are really first class. So full of admiration for them. So he was a sports editor up in Middlesbrough at the time when, when Wickham were playing at uh, the club? I think that's right, yeah, yeah. Um, and that was quite, <laughs> quite an occasion. Um, but I did, I've been doing a little bit of research, Colin, on uh, you know, the, the 70s. And it was a phenomenal time to be covering Wanderers. They won uh, the Ishmael League title in... 70, 71, 72, 73, and they had fantastic um, FA Cup runs in those 70s. Uh, for example, in 73, they beat Newport County, who were a league club then, 3-1, in front of 7,000, 7, before going out to uh, Peterborough, 3-1 at home. And Peter were managed by Noel Campwell, as your older listeners will remember as a Man United player. He was a manager. I remember speaking to him uh, beforehand when I was doing my preview, and uh, I'd heard a rumour that they were training on a 
on a slope in Peterborough to try and get used to Lokes Park. And I asked him uh, rather naively, uh, Mr Campbell, do you think that'll help? Um, and he said, well, we wouldn't be doing that otherwise, would we? And rather put me in my place. But um, in 74, of course, was the uh, the big one, when they beat Bournemouth after a replay, and then on to Middlesbrough. And then after that, there were games against Cardiff and Reading, Reading in 76. So throughout the 70s, it was a fantastic time to be covering the club, and, and they were memorable cup ties, they really were. So as a journalist, did you actually kind of notice, if you like, the progress the team was making? That's a good question. I, I just knew I was lucky to be covering a, a really a really special side. You know, non-league was quite a contrast. You'd, you'd go to places like Clapton and Walthamstow, and yet Wickham was always a decent surface, despite the slope, which people always made a big thing of. But I, I suppose we did see them progress, and when sort of certain players came in, the sort of Kenny Swains of this world and the youngsters, I, I could see, you know, they, they, were, they were definitely improving. And of course, it's all, this is under Brian and, uh, and John Reardon. They had some great players in those days and a lot of good characters. It must have felt really special as well, as I say, to have reached the FA Cup for the fir- first time, and uh, the third round for the first time in their history, and to be playing a team like Middlesbrough, who were going so well at the time as well. They were indeed. They were top of the old first division. Jack Charlton, as you know, was the manager, and uh, it's a bit like, you know, playing uh, somebody like Liverpool today or Man City, and they, they really were straight ahead, of their, you know, ahead, really, they were, they were t- certainly top of the table, and a strong side, Graham Souness was in it, Stuart Bone, Willie Madron, uh, Geordie Armstrong up front, who got their goal in the replay that put them out eventually, put Wickham out, but uh, no, they, they were a top side. On the other hand, Wickham were a top amateur side, so, you know, it's a good clash, really. And such a great achievement to, to get them to a replay as well. Yeah, yeah, it was, and they could have won it, actually. Alan Phillips will remember his header that uh, went just the wrong side of, of the post, of an upright, and uh, that was the closest they came at, uh, at Lokes Park. But it was a great day, because the big match cameras were there for TV, um, Brian Moore and, and that lot, so... I was busy, and the press box was actually rammed with national journalists, um, journalists from national newspapers as well. Jeff Powell from the Daily Mail came down. I remember him buying uh, a bottle of champagne for us local lads in the bar afterwards. I think it was probably showing off a bit, but we were quite impressed. It's really nice to get that sort of behind-the-scenes sort of news, isn't it? Because obviously, as, as supporters, you just literally read the report and don't get to know kind of what happens necessarily in the press box. No, no, it's... Uh, it's his own little world, really. It was an open-air press box, unlike today's ones that are all covered and got all the gizmos and plugs for your computer and stuff. So it was pretty early. And if you were doing what we used to call a runner for uh, for the national newspapers, probably Evening Standard in those days, you'd have a you'd be typing your report or writing your report probably in longhand actually, and then handing it to a runner who'd go to the uh, the nearest telephone box and write, phone it over to the the standards copy takers in London so it was a bit different from today's push button computers and everything being instant I was going to say it's fascinating to hear that as well what, what feels like such a comparatively short time ago well you're right yeah what well, we're talking about 20-30 years and it? it's changed out of all recognition really as have newspapers of course which is sadly going out of fashion a bit there uh, seems to be the internet's taking over and that's what everybody wants I know my last paper, the Oxford Mail, 
when I was there, we had at, at its peak, we had eight members on the sports desk. And now there's uh, one, and he only does it part-time and does general news as well. So uh, it's pretty dire, really. It's very sad to see the demise of newspapers, but it's, it's the way people get their information now, isn't it, via the, the Internet and the uh, telephones. and It's just the way it's changed. But I, I feel lucky, as I do, covering Wickham during the 70s, to have uh, experienced newspapers at that time as well. I was going to say, it must be a great thing to sort of reflect on and, and look back on. Yeah. Yeah, it is. You know, when I first started newspapers, there was a hot metal area, you know, where you had a line of type operators who were putting every line of type in on, and using hot metal, and then you had compositors who were really skilled guys. This was at the factory at Gom Road, uh, when they used to have their own printing press, and uh, it was they were so skillful, these chaps could get it all ready in, in next to no time. But that's all gone now, of course, because it's all computerised. No, definitely. And are there, are there any other sort of games or occasions that really stand out from your time covering the club? Yeah, um, as I say, I've, I've jotted down a few things. Um, at the end of a couple of seasons, we used to go on tour, and I, I was really lucky because Arthur Church was a bit of a fan. He'd let me go with Wickham on tour, and that was we went to Italy twice. I seem to remember Riccioni and. Uh, Oh, Udinese, I know. Wickham played Udinese, who are now a top Italian club, Serie A club. Uh, they played them in the Anglo-Italian tournament, and they more than held their own in that, actually. But socially, a tour was a pretty good occasion, because in Italy you're treated like royalty out there, and uh, plenty of lovely food and wine. And, and the committee were really good to me. You know, we'd have some gin and tonic sessions, generally before a meal in, the, in one of the bedrooms, and I remember... I've got a lovely picture at home of, at home of uh, me, Brian Lee, Jerry Cox, Reg Williams, John Goldsworthy, who was the old secretary, lovely chap, Goldie. He, uh, we're all drinking gin and tonic in somebody's bedroom and probably getting a little bit tipsy before we went down for some dinner. But, uh, happy days, they were called. No, definitely. It must have been also sort of exclusive as well because uh, uh, you were the one covering the, the club and, and being you know, the, the one that the fans would read each week. Yeah, I used to sort of telephone my reports back uh, to my trusty uh, Lieutenant Michael Knox at, uh, at, the, at the office, and um, we, it'd be a, a sort of picture byline of me on the phone, and and I'd relate uh, really boring stuff about what we have for supper, you know, roast beef or something, but uh, also obviously reporting on the on the game. But I, I, I felt I was lucky because they, they and I think the players trusted me really. As I say, we, we didn't go in for quotes in those days, and there was very little that was controversial because Wickham was such a good side, and because Brian Lee got the right sort of players and the right sort of men there. That was the key thing, I think, to Brian's success. He knew what he wanted. He wanted decent, honest people, and not players who were there to make an extra fiver in their boot. You know, it was. Uh, it was that sort of ethos, I think, that, that, that got through and uh, why contributed a lot to their success. And it must have felt really nice to be that close to the team as well. Yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember uh, going in the sea and uh, chucking a tennis ball around with a couple of players, you know, just having a bit of fun that way. And you, you did get to know them a bit. Um, a couple of other things I remember. I remember going with John Maskell, who, as you know, is... Uh, bit of a legend at the club and a lovely bloke too. Mask, I remember going and having a look at the ground where we were playing a fixture that evening. And um, Mask said, you know, come with me, we'll have a walk around the penalty box at each end. And I thought, well, that's a bit strange thing to do. 
But as we looked round, he, he spotted something, and it was a big bolt off a lawnmower. And he, he said, that, that's what I'm looking for, something like that. If I'm diving on that, that's going to do me a lot of damage. So that was something that was quite interesting. And another time, I remember on another tour, I was watching Steve Perrin take penalties, and there was nobody in goal. So I said, uh, I, I said, do you, want, do you want me to stand there? And uh, obviously I won't save money, I should think, Steve, but, you know, at least you've got a target to aim either side of. And he, he whacked this ball and it hit the upright, cannoned off it, and caught me right in the face. So uh, that was the last time I did that. <laughs> so, must have seemed such a good idea at the time. <laughs> it did, quite. <laughs> but as you say, it must have felt such a, a special period in the club's history and to be that close and part of it as well. It was very special, yeah. And... Uh, I appreciated it when I, I left Wickham and moved up to Oxford um, because I was covering Oxford City then for a while, including the Bobby Moore era, which was quite interesting. But um, that, they showed me what was the, the wrong way to do it because they were sponsored by a local newspaper called the Oxford Journal in those days and their chairman decided to bring in Bobby Moore as manager. And dear Bobby, he was a great bloke, but he didn't have a lot of non-league experience. And he tried, they had plenty of money, they tried to sort of buy success by bringing in ex-pros like Phil Bill of Spurs, uh, Les Parodi, Harry Redknapp was there for a while, you know, it was, uh, and it didn't work, to be honest, they, they never achieved much. But uh, we had some quite interesting times. As I say, they liked to spend their money. I remember having lunch at the Dorchester once on the way to an away game. Which seemed very odd at the time. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely. It's been a bit different to what you'd be used to. Well, it, quite, yeah. It must have been so interesting for you as well to see the club progress going from non-league to league and obviously, uh, ultimately, more recently into the Championship as well. Oh, it's been fantastic. And, uh, you know, the season they had in League One was just amazing, really. And they started so poorly, didn't they? And then it all picked up and all credit to Gareth Ainsworth, who's, I think, is a superb manager and they've done really well to hang on to him and please carry on Gareth you know you're doing a fantastic job and really nice the, the, the role of the ex-players association as well to, to bring um, obviously you know players from the era that you sort of covered and, and worked alongside but also from different generations too yes indeed yeah and I think that's really important too and it's all down to Hutch and, and John John Taylor you know they, as, as I mentioned earlier they do this brilliant job and they're so good at it, you know, it's a really good evening. Um, but it's not just players from my era, it's, you know, the old Hamda Cup final team, there's not many left now, and I'm, I'm sorry to hear that Len Newell is not too good at the moment. But um, I think it's, uh, and, and they enjoy mixing with, you know, people from my era as well, and, and even the younger players, you know, the ones from the sort of Steve Brown era, and, and Martin O'Neill's fantastic uh, side, you know. And something really nice that players who played together in like 30, 20, 40, even longer years ago are still in touch now and still have that shared camaraderie and that experience. That's right. And I think this gives them the opportunity because um, I, I've known, you know, since I've stopped working, that getting back together with your old pals and things isn't easy these days, especially with COVID around. And it's easy just to sort of sit at home and, and not want to get out and, and meet people again. But because of uh, the association we're we're able to meet up with you know every now and then with some really good old mates and uh, Paul Bird's eyes have always been a bit of a star to me and his lovely wife they were always uh, good to me Howard Kennedy dear Howard no longer with us unfortunately 
he always used to come on my after game and said, do you want to quote, do you want to quote, do you want to quote? And uh, I never, never took him up on it. I think it had been too controversial anyway, to be honest. But uh, who else from that era of the Bodger, of course, Tony Horseman, Keith Sell, Gary Hand. I discovered at one of the dinners that Gary plays in a blues band, which uh, I, I like the blues, and uh, it was interesting to chat to him. He's the bass guitarist in a group. I'd like to get him to see him one day. Keith Mead, another great character and uh, very experienced. Alan Phillips, uh, they were in the, the side that played Middlesbrough. You, you must have realised, if that's the right word, what made the club so special, especially at that time. Yes, yeah. It, it, was, a, it was a happy club. I, I, I suppose that the key to, to that was because they were so successful. They had a brilliant manager. They had some of the best players the right men, as I mentioned earlier. And uh, it was a recipe for success, and that's why they won all these titles and had these fantastic cup matches. And, and it was a fantastic time being at the club. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Wouldn't have missed it for the world. Really interesting chatting to uh, Stuart. He, he had some uh, fantastic memories, and also really interesting, obviously, contrasting how you know life in the press box has changed, r- ringing through your report and then going for a few pints afterwards. It all sounds very convivial. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely not like that now. It's, <laughs> it's, it's hanging about sort of like desperately doing whatever you're trying to do i suppose which i suppose is is a similar thing in that you know you've still got the deadlines and whatever but no you definitely don't notice anybody if they're if they're on their phone it's because they're then trying to send through a large amount of audio and hoping that actually the the wi-fi or that they've got signal which of course used to be a problem at adam's park mm. but isn't anymore which is really really great um but yeah interesting to hear hear the you know just the differences as well i think especially it's so easy to take for granted isn't it? if you read a match report say even on a website nowadays you don't kind of think oh i wonder what's gone into putting that together no, that's so true, uh, and I, particularly because there are two different types of report, aren't there? Mm. There's sort of like the very, very generic report that you get, where it just sort of says things describes like, what happened. Know, yeah, exactly. You know, like corner for Wickham taken by Jacobson, and that, that's it. And you know, and then you don't get any other information, so you assume that nothing's happened. Um, and then you obviously get the much better reports, really that, that actually, exactly. Yeah, that you know, that give you the, the the meat on the bones, as it were. Um, and yeah, I, th- I think I think I, we all know which ones we prefer. The, those other reports, I think, of, of being a bit like sort of like football manager or something it's just as if you're just getting the yes football manager like the game. I mean, not a football manager. yes yeah you're just getting a text commentary fantastic uh, final part of the wicked water show on the way we'll find out about walking football you said you've played i have football. played walking football once just before lockdown i've played football very slowly but that's not the same thing <laughs> online on radio player and on 106.6 fm this is wickham sound Still to come on tonight's Wicked Wonder Show, we will be previewing the trip to Hartlepool, discussing whether or not we should play Portsmouth, uh, and also talking about how Wicked Wanderers uh, women, sorry, got on at the weekend. I like the idea of previewing the trip to Hartlepool. That just look at, looks ahead yes. to any possible obstacles that you'll come across on the way. Right, indeed. Well, after last week's um, sort of like show that was slightly sponsored by the Lancashire Tourist Board, uh, and you probably already realised that the Hartlepool Tourist Board haven't got in touch because I haven't been talking about fish and chip shops. But you know, but uh, uh, maybe I'll have a quick look through. I was going to say, stay tuned to next week's show where recommendations will be <laughs> will be a foot, I imagine. Indeed, yes. We could do that regularly. Bob's uh, guide to away grounds. I think we should. Yes. I think that will be a, a, a new feature. Uh, Bob's Guide to Array Grounds uh, and also... Uh, Where to park. Co- who, who Colin has been in a lift with. <laughs> new features <laughs> to come on the Wickham Wanderers show. Look out for that. Uh, if you missed this morning's mid-morning, then you won't have heard us chatting to uh, Wickham Wanderers Sport and Education Trust as they moved their... Uh, that their... sounds quite exciting because you did this, like, live. This was, you know... Uh, literally. Yeah. 
yes. as it was happening. As it was happening. There was a session on. around, well, not around you, but, but no, no. you were chatting to them. <laughs> I was here, they were there. But yes, it moved from Lane End outside to... Brr. Yeah, exactly. To uh, the indoor comforts oh. of, <laughs> of of Wickham Leisure Centre. And uh, we caught up with Mark Fawkes, as in Guy. Topical. They must get that all the time. Also, of course. Uh, also, Steve, who's uh, head of health at uh, the Wickham Wanderers Sport and Education Trust. And also, Roz uh, from Age UK, who uh, are part of, the, uh, part of the party as well. Excellent. We've been doing it for a number of weeks now. Um, as you said, down at Lane End, um, it was started off very nice in the summer. We had lots of sun. Uh, lots of people kind of running around. It was, it was really nice. And then as the winter started to uh, kind of roll in, we've kind of seen some declining numbers. So we've been really lucky to be able to get um, a space here down at uh, Wickham Leisure Centre um, just to make, bring it inside. And, and our numbers are great today. We just had kickoff. Everyone's looking on good form. Um, everyone sort of looks hurt from the 4-1 defeat the other night. So, you know, we're, we're looking to put that right here today down at Wickham Leisure Centre. <laughs> Absolutely. Hopefully, many goals can be scored. Is, is walking for? It sounds obvious, but it's a question. But is, is walking football very different to uh, normal and in inverted commas football? That's right. Yeah. I mean, the hardest thing is probably not to run. It's it sounds strange, but uh, you know, if you, even if you miscontrol it, you know, you try and take take a few steps of running, and then you find the, the whistle blowing, and then you've given away a free kick to the other team. So that's not ideal. Um, but yeah, other than that, uh, and above head height as well, the ball can't go above head height. Uh, but other than that, the rules are the same, and uh, yeah, it's, it's a good game. And Simon, must there be so many health benefits to people who, who perhaps previously have been uh, inactive, or who perhaps you know played football a long time ago, and perhaps aren't really up to the the pace of the f- the full game? Yeah, I think it's, I think what we're beginning to find as well is that there's an awful lot of um, participants that we've got coming down that have probably not played football in, in quite a few years. You know, probably stopped playing grassroots football now, kind of thirty, thirty-five, and and, and kind of thought that they're pretty much come to the end of their sort of playing career. Um, but it's, it's great to see, and it's so good to see that there are some people now, and who would have thought that walking football would have, you know, given those individuals an opportunity to, to get back leading an active life through football. Um, so, it's, you know, it's, it's amazing to see, and it's great to see. And I think this, this morning we've got uh, a guy that's come down, and he's 82, Ross, 82, 83. He's 83. Um, he, again, I just speaking to him earlier, he stopped playing when he was about, 40, 45, uh, is now the age of 83 and he's going to come down and looking like he's going to come and join in our walking football sessions. So, you know, for those for those individuals that have retired, um, that are a little bit isolated, that, you know, it's, it's the practicalities as well of, of just keep moving and, and keeping active. Um, so it's so good to see, you know, individuals that are over the age of 50 that might have a long-term health condition, um, and it just it's just increasing their active lifestyle, which is so good to see. And Ross, this must be something you're so pleased to support as well, because obviously we're talking about the health benefits, but also you know sort of a chance for for older people to be able to to interact with others as well. Absolutely, yes. I mean, what we're trying to do is to alleviate the, the loneliness that people feel in their in their later years, and anything that we can do now to help them stay fit and healthy, it means that they're going to be able to maintain greater independence in in their later life and keep active and socialising. And even just having this in the in the diary as a weekly event is such a great thing for for people, especially post COVID, where people were really nervous about socialising and actually, you know, thought they'd lost the skills to actually go out and talk to people. And we're finding that actually that's not the case. They come out and they've made great friends and they really enjoy it and look forward to it. Because Simon, I was going to say, it, it sounds like a, a fine balance between something that's quite relaxed, but also I can imagine could be quite competitive as well. 
It, it really can't. I mean, you know, I've worked in football for a number of years and I've not seen um, a provision of football explode so quickly as, as what walking football has. And, you know, it was born out of a recreational form of the game. Um, but then what's kind of developed and what's happened is, is the progression of walking football. It's got very competitive. So within a very short space of time, you've got the social aspect and the competitive element as well. Um, and through that competitive element, you know, we've got the Thames Valley Walking Football League played from Bisham Abbey. Uh, that play monthly fixtures. But I think for, for us and Lincoln and with Age UK and, and with Ross, um, it's very much around just keeping individuals kind of socially connected with one another, you know, supporting their mental health. Um, we, we, we have playlists, so we, we bring a speaker down every week. So last week, believe it or not, uh, we had some drum and bass. The week before that, we had some house music. And this week, I think we've got some new romantic early 80s music. But, you know, music connects people. We're just, you know, just trying to do the best we can to, to make it a fun and engaging session for them. Drum and bass music, fantastic. Um, I imagine that would quicken the pace as well of the football too. Power ballads, <laughs> that's what you want. Power ballads. <laughs> yeah. And Ross, obviously, we, should, we sort of touched on as well, but there, there are obviously so many benefits attached to it and so nice for, for people to have this in their, in their diaries to kind of look forward to as well. Definitely. As I say, I think that's a really important aspect of this is the socialisation, because not only do they come out for the football, but we normally hang about afterwards and and sit down with a hot drink. um, Whereas in the early days, we might find it difficult to sustain the conversation for more than, you know, 15 minutes or something now we find that after the football we're sat chatting to each other for about an hour um so i think people really have made new friends and just find that the social aspect of it is really helpful as well if you're not careful they'll be coming for the music as well <laughs> yeah exactly yeah <laughs> we realize i've seen crowd in there really we do we people have discovered drum and bass through walking football it's fantastic <laughs> and simon i guess many of us well will have the, the kind of common link of the, the football as well because mark sort of joked that you know people have been down after the after the defeat uh, on tuesday night but but i'm sure many will be talking about you know games that perhaps they they watched from years years gone by as well as how the current team are doing yeah, I mean, it, it's just, I think it's just, it's just that social interaction, and it is nice that there is a little bit of um, camaraderie. But, but again, it's one of those things where, where the, the power of sport kind of like brings individuals together, um, and it is quite nice that through the club and, and through the sport and educational trust that you know we're, we're delivering these provisions locally, um, you know, and making positive impacts. And so great as well, as we touched on with, with Ross kind of socially, that people have got these, these things to go to as well. Because I think many people, especially if you get to sort of retirement age, you probably think, oh, you know, what, what can I do now? Uh, well, that's definitely the case, yeah. And I, I, one of the things that people have said, we've got a couple of, well, a lot of the people are, re- are recently retired and found that they were not quite sure, especially with all the lockdown situation, that they weren't sure how they were keeping active and realised that they were getting sluggish. And so this outlet for a bit of activity uh, and a, a quote from um, one of our participants was that it, it's made me feel young again. And, you know, I feel like that's a, a massive result, really, if we've managed to do that. So, Yes, yeah, I was going to ask, actually, you must get loads of uh, great feedback from people that, that do take part. Yeah, the, the, yeah, there is. The, the, there's kind of, a, you know, the, there's a group that turn up week in, week out. Um, but the other thing is, I was going to say as well, before I forget, if, if anybody's interested to get involved then if, if they google walking football um wickham or if they if they google um just play walking football uh, all they have to do is put the postcode in uh to find out where the sessions are running but also they can go on our website as well so they can go onto the wickham wanderers uh, sport and educational trust website uh go to health 
Um, and then under health, then we've got the booking system in place for them. But yeah, the, the, the feedback is always good. And, and it's from a, not from a coaching perspective, but, but managing the sessions as well. You get to know these individuals and there's some, um, it's such an, a nice, friendly, welcoming group of individuals that we've got. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's just so good to see. And, and the fact that they're, they're committed now pretty much week in, week out, and it's so good to see. And really rewarding to see their progress, I imagine, as well, just with sort of fitness or, you know, someone's confidence growing as well. Because I guess, obviously, it's not about their physical, not just their physical health, but mental as well. We've got some talent in the group. So, you know, we, there might be some, some scoutings that, that might go on down there as well. Yeah. No, definitely. You must be so proud of the of the initiative and and the way it's growing in popularity and uh, and just the sort of uh, bringing people together element of it as well. Definitely, yeah. And you're you're right to mention the mental health aspects. I think that that's a, a, a massive um, effect from what from getting involved in this in this project. And I guess as well, it's so convenient because you don't sort of need loads of equipment or kit. You can just turn up, I assume, in your in your usual, um, well, either kit or or sort of tracksuit or just something quite uh, relaxing. There's some, there's some very casual attire that is, that is worn at these <laughs> sessions. But we, we, we're, we're flexible. Yeah. I, think, I think the important thing is, is that we've got a nice, friendly, welcome, warm environment. Warm now we've come indoors as well. Yes, but, yeah. but, you know, we, we just want to support individuals, you know, through mental and physical health, really. So it's... Um, yeah, it's, yeah uh, and if they come in their disco gear, that's fine. Absolutely. <laughs> and the, the fun thing about moving it back inside into a sports hall is you forget how good that squeak of trainer on sports hall floor is. <laughs> no, definitely. have been outside on the 3G for, for months, and it, you forget how good that sound is. Yeah. So will you just be indoors for the, for the winter and then back out again, or is this a, a sort of permanent move now? Yeah, we're, we're, in, we're indoors, uh, so we're at the Wickenmeasure Centre now until the... F- 5th of February something like I think, that, yeah, I think yeah, 5th yeah. of February um, and then we'll reconsider I guess yeah Valentine's Day back outside Beautiful. yeah maybe yeah. Yeah. <laughs> see what people want to do really. that, I mean, that's when you want the power balance I think for Valentine's that's when yeah. absolutely yeah. Yeah. can you play yeah. football to Barry White I'm not sure <laughs> we'll try it we'll try it we'll see if we'll let you know very slowly I imagine <laughs> yeah <laughs> I was, I was going to make a, a pun about scoring, but I don't think I should. Um, <laughs> I just remind us where people can find out more if they do want to, to take part in the sessions, as I say. That's right. So um, all the information is on our website, um, www.sct.co.uk, Wickham Wanderers Sports and Education Trust. Um, as Simon said earlier, if you go to the health uh, banner at, at the side, um, all the information you need is in there. Um, or our phone number, 01494 Great to chat to you, Mark and Roz and Simon, although not in that order. And if you check on the uh, Wickham Wanderers Sport and Education Trust Facebook page, you can see actual photos of that actual interview in progress. That was brilliant because it sounded more like a brainstorming session where you were giving them all of these suggestions of things that they could do in the future. Absolutely. Such the... as, as playing Barry White and... <laughs> The power balance and the drum and bass. Imagine, imagine turning up to a walking football session and what's that? That's drum and bass. That is. Oh, I'm really into that now. <laughs> Previously, I was just into Andy Williams, but now I really like Stormzy. <laughs> Previously, just thought Stormzy was some bad weather. Yes, no, that was that was great. I enjoyed that, and it, it is really good. So I, I've only only done it once. Uh, I went along uh, to a session before lockdown, like the week before lockdown started, and I really enjoyed it. And thought, oh yes, I must get you know must get into this. And then of course the session stopped. Because as Mark was mentioned, it's great. It I really imagine good. the challenge is really not 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 walking. That's that was exactly it. Uh, it definitely. Uh, in fact, I got told that I was walking a bit slow uh, some other time. But yeah, you do find that particularly say if the ball's going out uh, for a throw-in or something like that, then of course you start running towards it and then you think, oh no, I'm not allowed to do that. Um, and also the ball isn't allowed to go above head height 
Uh, or actually, I think we were playing it crossbar height because obviously oh, okay. there's people like me who are like six foot six, and then there's other people who are a bit smaller. Uh, but it was really good, and you get a really good workout, and I definitely recommend it. So many benefits, as you mentioned. There's the physical, the mental, and also the social uh, aspects as well. Yeah, I mean, I thought that was really nice. That then they, they were saying that you know, actually, at the end, then you end up hanging about for another hour chatting. I thought that was really sweet. Discussing drum and bass. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> yes, other musical genres. Finding that, out what drum and bass is, I think, is being down with the kids. Yeah, near romantics. This week oh really yes yeah maybe power ballads that'll be considered. i think i think your power ballads is a good idea yeah i can see them being more into that or you could just have sort of football type songs sound. couldn't you like um you know england new order and things like that yeah yeah that, life yes. of riley that'd be a good one. Oh yeah, yeah although it might good. be a bit quick you might be tempted to run no that. no i think you know i think that would work uh, let's i talk- think you you should go and be their dj actually <laughs> you'd be very good i could be the announcer ground announcer yes <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I'd say. Um, there wouldn't be too much to announce, I don't think. I was surprised. That, so our grand announcer this week, um, uh, he, he did say at some point, um, it's almost time for the show to begin, which oh. I thought was a really interesting way of Take your seats. It. And for a second, I felt like we were in the West End. <laughs> I, I don't think I've ever heard a football announcer describe a match as the show before. No, it's all about yeah. the, the experience. All about though, the, the show is about to begin. I quite yeah. liked that. Oh, excellent. We could try and incorporate. And also, I, I, I like the fact as well that um, at half time he then said, um, uh, "Make sure you come back for the second half." Which you know, actually, you possibly would have thought that maybe at half time we'd been if we'd been four one down, it would have made sense. But it, it was just a slightly funny, like you know, Make sure come, come back, back. The second half. You know, oh no, I'm just going to wander down Hillbottom Road and see if any of the industrial places are open. Take advantage of the. Uh uh, facilities in the car park. Yes, indeed. That's um, thing. You, you're going to ask about Wicked Wanderers ladies, aren't you? Uh, Wicked Wanderers women, as we oh, should know. Sorry, them. sorry, sorry, sorry. Wicked Wanderers women. Do you uh, still call them re- linesmen and not referees? I do still call them linesmen, definitely. Yes, always. <laughs> <laughs> in the same way that it will always be the League Cup um, and grounds will always be and Jeff and not Sif. That's it's always Adams Park and never the Causeway <laughs> Stadium. Oh yeah, uh, Wicked Wanderers women. I know that you should now call them that, and yes. I do try. Um, uh, <laughs> I do try. I do. I do. Um, uh, disappoint. Had a disappointing result oh. uh, but against the good team they were playing money fields oh, yes, they were doing very well yeah teams. exactly they are one of the top teams so they went down 5-0 on Sunday uh, they play Ascot United away this coming Sunday uh, in a 2 o'clock kickoff um, at the Ascot United Racecourse ground which is quite an interesting ground if you've ever been there because it is right near the actual Ascot Racecourse um, and you know you can actually see the racecourse sort of like in the distance uh, so if you are at a loose end on Sunday then go along and support the ladies and you're going to Hartlepool on I Saturday am- to see the men's team uh, a much changed perhaps men's team yes possibly uh, I mean it's interesting Gareth sounds like he's slightly sort of hedging his bets not wanting to say yes it's going to definitely be a changed team because he respects the competition etc etc but it does sound like yeah we are going to see a few of the fringe players maybe making an appearance but I think that is only because you know we've obviously had quite a busy schedule mm. um, of late uh, and clearly we played you know we didn't actually take advantage of the international break we played that game against Gillingham uh, so I think it's it's fair enough it's okay Gareth we we understand we understand what the team's trying to do and going all the way back to the Manchester City game and remembering things that Pete Kuhick said about Mm. that that actually you know it's not about the Cups this year it's about the league so whatever the result at the Victoria ground on Saturday you see that's another one I'm sure it's not called that anymore but to me it will always be the Victoria ground Um, then yeah definitely that you know I think that's absolutely fine and I would say as well I've seen a few things on social media since Tuesday which have really depressed me Um, fans just saying really silly things um, about you know what was Gareth doing and we were tactically inept and all of that and you just think oh goodness you know can we just have a reality check okay we're not mm. going to win every game 
um, yes, you know, it was a bit of a shock to lose 4-1 at home to Ipswich. Um, but Ipswich are clearly in a false position. They're definitely a team that are very much on the up. Um, and yet we can't win every game. You know, we're not, we're not Man City. We're not Chelsea. Um, yeah, just... just you know, live with it. I also liked a comment that a, a guy uh, put on Facebook uh, called Ian Bartholomew. Hello, Ian, if you're listening, uh, where he revealed uh, last night, um, he said, stayed a bit late in the office tonight, packing things up, saw a man walking down the corridor towards me, thought he looks familiar. Then it clicked. It was Gareth Ainsworth. Had a chat, shook his hand. He apologised for the game last night. I told him not to worry about it. Every team has good games and bad games. Anyway, he's a lovely guy. Didn't seem put out by me wanting to have a chat. Which Isn't office that nice? That? I, I, I have no idea. And that, that's exactly what I thought, having read that. It's like, you have to tell us a bit more. How come Gareth Ainsworth was just walking yeah. down the corridor in your office? Where else was this? Um, but anyway, just goes to show what a lovely guy Gareth is. No, definitely. Uh, so uh, by the time we speak to you next week, we'll, uh, we'll have had uh, the FA Cup first round proper tie at Hartlepool. We'll have had another cup game as well at home. And I'd let's be see, chilly as well, won't it? Let's see how many people we can get to that game against Burton Albion on Tuesday. We're, it will be amazing if we manage to, to get a thousand. So, so if you are at a loose end on Tuesday, and bear in mind as well, it starts at seven o'clock, not seven forty-five. Oh, yes. uh, so, so even more reason to make it difficult for people to get there. But yeah, I'm going to be there with my battery-operated trousers. Hopefully, with a battery. Uh, it would be nice if I wasn't the only one. If not, a mains adapter. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll have a chat to the club and see what they can do. <laughs> Just plug you in. Thank you very much for listening to the Wick and Wonder Show. We are available as a podcast as well. Uh, and up the wick, as Pete Kuhig says.